I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. Who doesn't love a good movie villain? But here's the thing, at the end of the day, we're not actually meant to support these villains, as entertaining as they might be, yet some films, it seems, didn't get this message, and ended up using smart tricks to make us fall in love with the bad guys and even support their motives. So let's take a look at them today, as I'm Jules, this is WhatCulture.com, and these are 10 smart movies that tricked us into rooting for the bad guys. Number 10. Lou, Nightcrawler now, in real life, Nightcrawler's Lou would not be a man that you would ever trust. After failing to find legal work, he takes to knocking people out and stealing their valuables to get by before eventually stumbling into the life of a freelance photojournalist, driving around LA and recording crime scene footage to sell to news networks. At first, this doesn't really go well. The footage is garbage. He's beaten to the punch by other, better equipped teams, and nobody wants to buy his images. Because of this, the audience becomes quite endeared to Lou. You want this guy to break out of his life of crime, and poverty and do well for himself. And you know what? That does start to happen as Lou does indeed get better at his job, but sadly, this success only allows him to become even more of a garbage human. Increasing his bad behavior, he starts tampering with crime scenes to get better shots, sabotages the vehicles of rival journalists, pressures his network contact into having sex with him, and eventually allows his news partner to die to get first-hand crime scene footage. Just gross behavior all around, really. Number 9. Adelaide. Us. Essentially, you spend the movie following Adelaide and her family, who are under siege by another family of doppelgangers. Adelaide's double, Red, reveals that everyone in the country has one of these doubles, who are forced to live underground, without agency, living out the inverse of the life of their copies on the surface. Obviously, not everyone is happy with this deal, and the subjugated doubles have decided to rise up and replace those on the surface. But you know what? Adelaide and her family have done nothing wrong. They're completely blameless in all of this and don't deserve to die, right? Well, it turns out that that's not actually the case. In fact, Adelaide knows more about this situation than she's been letting on, as she was actually born in the underground facility and switched places with Red, who was originally born on the surface and left her counterpart to rot underground while she was accepted by a family above. So technically, you've actually been rooting for this devious double the entire time. Number 8. Norman Bates, Psycho with a marketing campaign that focused more on cinema etiquette, no one actually knew what to expect, and thus the film delights in flitting from one character's perspective to another. After Marion is off, we jump to Norman cleaning up her murder, and then to Sam investigating her disappearance, then to Abergast for his last hours, and then back to Sam until we finally settle on the mother. Now, these changes are so seamless that you don't really notice your allegiance is actually being played with, but it subliminally had audiences falling into Hitch's trap. We already feel sorry for 
for Norman Bates after it becomes clear that he is pathetically devoted to his mother, but spending around 10 minutes with him once Marion is dead means that throughout the film's second half, when it becomes clearer that he's a shady character, we still don't utterly hate him, which all comes to a head in the shocking reveal that actually he's been the psycho all along. Number 7. Anakin Skywalker in the Star Wars prequels Darth Vader, with his deep voice and obsessively cool mask, was a key part of Star Wars's success, so as the trilogy developed and pushed him further into the limelight, we eventually saw his redemption in the third film of the original trilogy. So it technically wasn't actually the prequels that had us falling in love with Vader, rather they took a character that people liked and made him the hero. We actually had no choice in the matter. When the prospect of sequels was as viable as filling out the missing early episodes, it was a pretty smart thing to stick with Anakin's story, and even though we knew where his story was going, it was still shocking to see him fall from grace so quickly in the third film of the prequels. Number 6. Henry Hill, Goodfellas Henry Hill was a man who in his time in the mob covered up murders, committed arson, distributed drugs, went to jail on extortion, and even committed the most heinous of all crimes, buying a white Christmas tree. Ugh. And yet, you come out of Goodfellas thinking of him as a genuine good fella. I mean, nobody comes out of this film wanting to go into a life of crime after seeing it, but you're left with an underlying kind of respect for Hill. And it is, to some degree, quite earned. He did put away many prolific gangsters when he turned FBI informant and tried to live a relatively good life, but the thing is, is that we're rooting for him long before any of that goes down. From the moment that we hear about his boyish adoration of the lifestyle that he wants to join, we see him not as a big-time criminal, but as just a human being. Whereas The Godfather was about the higher-ups of the crime world, Scorsese made us feel at home in the gangster's reality, demystifying the criminals and giving us some relatable connections. We even maybe got a little bit hooked on the lifestyle, and that is exactly Scorsese's plan, luring us in with Ray Liotta's charming performance and then dealing us a heavy blow come the end. Number 5. John Dillinger, Public Enemies Despite getting a pretty positive buzz on release, Public Enemies fell into obscurity. In fact, even those that enjoyed the film will admit that Michael Mann was pretty much more interested in just perfectly recreating 1930s America and shooting it in a pretty way rather than crafting an engaging narrative. And this can be shown best when the film's biggest emotional trick, which was getting the audience to empathise with John Dillinger, has nothing to do with his screenplay. From the moment that he walks into the perfectly positioned frame, everybody is with Johnny Depp. He was, at least in 2010, such a likeable screen presence that even with that snarl you can't help but want to see him succeed. When he goes through robbing banks and Christian Bale snaps at his heels, you deep down just want him to get away. That's how powerful a personality Depp was. He is making us, lest we not forget, root against Batman in effect. It's very clearly meant to be a moral story that doesn't try and commend the criminal lifestyle. And yet, with this casting, that is exactly what happened. And you know what, maybe it was this mixed message that has stopped it from remaining in audiences' thoughts. Number 4. Hannibal Hannibal People revere Hannibal Lecter. That much is clear from the fact that Anthony Hopkins won the Oscar for Best Actor for less than 20 minutes of screen time in The Silence of the Lambs. You can bet a fair few Academy voters were picking him just to ensure that they didn't end up on his buffet party table. He's like an animal in the zoo. People are drawn to him out of curiosity, but not exactly adoration. Now say whatever the hell you want about Ridley Scott's Hannibal, but that film did manage to push him over to the other side. We spent so much time with him at points that we were actually proper on side with him. Now, as the main character, we spend a lot more time with him and get a taste of his sympathetic side. The relationship with Clarice is amped up and creates a morally ambiguous code. He's unable to harm her even when she jeopardizes his safety. It's actually really helped that he's put up against Mason Verger, a child molester who Hannibal has already tortured once. Prompting the question of when does revenge go too far, he forces us to associate with Hannibal in a grim game of pick the worst psychopath. 
Number three, Jeff and Haley Hard Candy. What starts out as a typical abduction flick makes a sharp U-turn at the end of the first act into something truly dark and grim. It turns out Elliot Page's seemingly innocent teenager has actually been hunting down Patrick Wilson's sex offender with the same ferocity that he has for younger girls. But in between all of the asphyxiation, false hopes for freedom, and in a very extended castration sequence, you begin to question when is this too much punishment? It's the sort of moral conundrum that James Wan wished that he could have come up with for Saw. You have this man who by all reckoning is utter evil and definitely should be in jail and yet because of this horrible situation and the sheer torment that he's put through there's a part of you that wishes it to just stop not necessarily that he goes free just that it stops hard candy is so visceral that you can't help but get involved with this moral argument making you not just weirdly root for the bad guy but maybe empathize with him too number two tom ripley purple noon So across five books of the Ripley series, we see a sociopath kill his way to inheritance and single-handedly clear up an art forgery gone wrong. And all the while, we're gleefully on side. And the first in the series, the talented Mr. Ripley, was most famously adapted with Matt Damon as the lead. But while general audiences loved it, to fans of the novel, it was a real disservice. Because here, the nuanced Ripley had become simple and psychotic. And in fact, you have to go really far back to find a character that gives Tom Ripley his dues. And that film is Purple Noon, a French 1960 adaptation which definitely does not stick to the plot, seeing as the central murder scene is altered and openly discussed by participants and the ending has everything begin to unravel for Tom, but the character is spot on. As with the novel, we know what we're witnessing is technically wrong, but all the while, we're willing it on. And number one, Verbal Kint, The Usual Suspects. As The Usual Suspects enters its final minutes, the audience is unknowingly already to be floored. Verbal Kent has been denounced as a pawn in the plot of the scheming Dean Keaton to clear his name, and we're all none the wiser to what's really going on. Now, while we shouldn't be able to guess what's about to come faxing in, it is strange that we view Verbal as innocent in all of this. From what we've been shown, Verbal is not a good guy at all. He's the one that came up with the attack on New York's finest in the first place, and very early on kills Saul when Keaton can't. That he's eventually revealed to be the crime lord behind it all needn't actually be important. He wields that he's got immunity from the judge, but he shouldn't really get a pass from the audience based on the story that he's telling. And yet, you give him it. Everyone who's ever experienced the glorious rug pull overlooks his character faults because in the traditional film narrative, our protagonist is the good guy, and even though this film feels different, we don't treat it as such. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.